Welcome to another episode of the M121 podcast. Over the course of this year, we've been looking at what is a primitive Baptist and then talked to a few people about becoming a primitive Baptist. And today, I'm joined by Ed Long, who's the pastor of Union Primitive Baptist Church in McKenzie, Tennessee. Is it, is that, did I get that right, Brother Ed? You got it absolutely right. Awesome. Um, I've known, known Ed for quite a while, but don't really know the whole story about he, how he became a primitive Baptist. And as you just, as I just mentioned, he now serves the church and has been a primitive Baptist for as long as I've known him. Uh, but <laughs> for sure, <laughs> absolutely. But, um, so it'll be a little different than the ones that we've done in the past where I really don't know his background that well. So looking forward to talking to him today and, um, brother Ed, we'll just, we'll just hand it over to you. If you could just tell us about sure. how you grew up and, and we'll start from there. Well, um, I'm definitely probably going to be the most unusual uh, situation you run across. Um, I've been a primitive Baptist. Um, well, I like to say for my entire life, but I only knew what the primitive Baptist was uh, in about April of 2000. Um, before that point, um, I was born and raised in Tully, New York, which is about 20 minutes south of Syracuse, New York, and about three and a half, four hours north of New York City. Um, growing up in New York, uh, there was not a primitive Baptist church, uh, anywhere close. So I never had the experience of going to a primitive Baptist church. Uh, most everyone in my town, um, was either, uh, part of the community church, which was a non-denominational, um, or a part of the Catholic church, which the majority of people were members of the Catholic church, uh, that I grew up in. Um, the church I grew up in was St. Leo's Catholic church. There in Tully, New York, um, and I was baptized as a baby. <laughs> Don't remember it, of course. Um, and uh, and uh, I had had the first communion service when I was in second grade, as is the policy. And uh, was confirmed into the Catholic faith uh, at uh, 15 years old when I was a sophomore in high school. Um, and of course, uh, growing up in the Catholic church, uh, I've said this a lot. If there's one thing that the Catholic church is good at doing, it's raising Catholics. Uh, you don't find many, um, people leave the Catholic church to go to any other church. They're, they're, they've got a real good, uh, uh retention rate, I guess. This is what I'd try to say. Um, so, uh, grew up in the Catholic church, uh, was, um, was actually involved in my church greatly as a young man because the church organist um, at our church retired when I was uh, 10 years old and my father volunteered me to become the organist for the church. So uh, I had already played the piano and uh, they decided that my dad was going to give me, uh, have me take organ lessons. So I learned to play a church organ when I was 11 years old and the first uh, Christmas, uh, uh, Christmas of 1985, I played uh, the organ at the Catholic Church there at St. Leo's, and then was an organist going to three masses a week, every week, <laughs> pretty much for the, for the for the next ten years of my life until I was 21 years old and moved away. Wow! So uh, that's a lot of information to to swallow up in a short amount of time. So <laughs> I, I'll, I'll pass back to you and see if you have any questions. Yeah. What What does it mean? Excuse my ignorance, but what does it oh, mean no, to be no. confirmed in at, at 15? What does that mean? No. The way the Catholic Church, which boy, I can if we could do a full podcast on Catholicism. I'll give it to you. Um, we we may do that sometime. <laughs> and by the way, and I've said this, I think either privately or maybe I said it to to Chris or Dan on one of them. None none of this is meant to be an attack on other denominations no, amen, or other amen. type of people. It's just amen. 
I'm excited about what I found and want other people yeah. to know about it. And that's it. Sure. So that's it. get and, that out and, of the way. And I, I agree wholeheartedly. Um, I have uh, the, the rest of my family that still lives in New York still practices the Catholic faith. I have uh, uh, dozens, if not hundreds of friends still from, from New York and around the area that, that are practicing the Catholic faith. And, and I would not do anything to, to say anything against what they truly believe is the truth. So, um, but again, uh, as, as Christ said, uh, or as Pontius Pilate said in John chapter 19, what is truth? Um, we understand the truth a little bit differently, a lot bit differently than they do. Yeah. Um, but to be confirmed, um, in the Catholic Church, uh, when you're a teenager, um, you have to go through two years of study um, and education and confirm the doctrines that you believe. Um, and then you are rebaptized in, in a sense as a as someone who is aware of what they're doing and uh, agree to follow what the path is that, that you've uh, that you've learned about. So that was when I was 15 that I was reconfirmed in my faith. It was just a reconfirmation of my baptism. Is that more of a, uh, of something that's your choice at that point? Yes. Yeah. And it's, it's still technically your parents' choice in a lot of ways. The most of the bus that were confirmed, um, at that point in time, I actually had a, a fairly good understanding of, of what God had done in my life at 15. Um, I actually had a lot of questions and a lot of, uh, just longings to do some things that, uh, that you know didn't didn't necessarily um, come to fruition until later in my life, but um, yeah, usually it, it, the 15 year olds in my class they were mostly just doing it because their parents made them to. But there were a few a few of us that felt a, a true desire to to follow and to do what God had called them to do. Well, let me ask you this: so you said huh? that they have a great retention rate, yeah. And one of the things that that really hinders even our churches and, and Southern Baptist churches and Methodist churches is that we're losing generations of yeah. people. Yeah. What, why do you think that they're doing such a good job? Is it because of, is it because of this? I hate to use the word indoctrination. I don't mean that in a negative yeah. way, but yeah. um, is it because they take it serious or what is it? Why do you think that is? It's the policy. It's the, it's the one holy Catholic apostolic church. It's they've got the, they've got the, the, the routine, you know, a lot of it is um, one thing that uh, about the Catholic Church that uh, uh, that my mother uh, has told me about over the years is it's the comfort of the routine. It's the it's the the, the service is all you know. You, it's almost like McDonald's. You know, you go to a McDonald's in Birmingham and you go to a McDonald's in in uh, in in McKenzie, and you're going to have the same food. Um, a Catholic Church. You could go to a Catholic Church, and I moved around a lot. When I got out of uh, college, you know, I, before I moved to Tennessee, um, you know, I'd lived in, in seven different places um, working for Regal Cinemas. And every time I went to a new place, it was the Catholic church that I found was almost identical to the Catholic church of the place that I left. The service was the same. Uh, it, it, they have they have um, specific uh, scriptures that are used in every single Catholic church every single Sunday. You know how like you may decide next week that you're going to preach a, a series on parenting, and you may uh, you may go to Ephesians five and you may start off and really preach a, a dandy sermon about parenting and continue for three or four weeks on it. Um, in the Catholic Church, they're told what Old Testament reading they're going to have, what New Testament reading they're going to have, and what gospel message they're going to have. 
um, it, it's assigned to them. So again, it's the I think same it's at every church, every single Catholic church. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and every Sunday and each Sunday is, uh, you know, and, and again, it's, it, it's the familiarity of it. It's, you know, you're raised in it. You're, you have the, 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 the same, the same service hasn't changed in, in decades, uh, if not centuries. Um, and you just, it becomes, it becomes, you know, second nature. So at 21, you have 10 uh-huh. years of playing the organ under your belt. You've been sure confirmed. Yep. Um, and you, are you, are you happy in your faith? Are you happy in your walk or how, what's, what's bring us up to, to speed at well, that point? Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm actually, you know, very happy in my faith and in my walk. Uh, the, the pastor at the time, um, of the church I grew up in is a gentleman by the name of Louis Aiello, uh, passed away a few years ago and I stayed in touch with him, uh, up until right before he passed. I mean, uh, he, uh, was a very kind and, and loving pastor. Um, and we had a unique relationship because I had been there for 10 years working with him. He had been at the church for 12 and I had been at the church for 10. Um, and, um, when I left, it wasn't that I was unhappy. Um, it was that I got moved because of my job. I had gotten out of college and, uh, had gotten on at Regal Cinemas and they were one of the seven moves was happening. So <clears throat> there was no discord when I left. It was, uh, it was a happy separation, um, advancement in my life. And, uh, it, every place I moved, I went to a Catholic church that was literally as soon as I found my apartment, I'd find the closest Catholic church. And I was still going to church every week, um, working several hours a week uh, at Regal Cinemas. I'd work between 70 to 90 hours a week um, at, at the at the facility. But I'd always find time to either on Sunday morning or uh, the Catholics have mass on Saturday night as well. Um, I'd go on Saturday night before the Sunday service. So um, I, I was satisfied wholly and completely in the Catholic Church. Well, what changed? <laughs> Well, here's the interesting part. Hey, you, now, now we're getting now we're getting out of the Catholic and into the primitive Baptist. People are like, well, I'm going to turn this on now. <laughs> Fast forward through Catholicism. Um, well, uh, uh, in April of the year 2000, um, I had made friends with some folks in Nashville. Um, one of which um, I hired, who was the projectionist in our IMAX theater. And he was friends with a girl that uh, he went to college with at UT Martin, right on the corner here from where we live. And uh, so in this girl uh, turned out to be my wife um, or turns out to be my wife. She wasn't at that point in time, um, <laughs> but we were we were friends. And, um, you know, she was very interested in uh, religion and a very devout uh, primitive Baptist. Um, one of those, uh, primitive Baptists, and she's probably going to listen to this and get mad at me, but she was one of those that shows up at 11, I think, thinks the singing <laughs> starts at 1030, but shows up at 11. So anyway, anyway, um, she, uh, she invited me to come hear, uh, Elder Doyle Hurst at Big Harpeth, a primitive Baptist church in, uh, Franklin, Tennessee. And we were living in Nashville at the time I was actually in Hermitage and she was, uh, in Nashville, but, um, so I said, yeah, well, I'll go to Catholic Church on Saturday night. And sure, I'll go with you. Something new. Because I always enjoyed going to see different orders of faith. I, you know, tra- traveled with people to different places and just seeing, you know, I, I love the Lord. And I wanted to I wanted to see, you know, what she was so excited about. So um, I went with her and her H- sister. Had you all and, talked hmm? any about, like, what is a primitive Baptist or? No, no. She just told me that she was a primitive Baptist and uh, she knew I was Catholic. 
And uh, her first words out of her mouth were, "Now you guys worship Mary, right?" Said, <laughs> no, we don't. We don't worship Mary. Um, but that's usually what most people say when they say you're Catholic. Oh, you're a Mary worshiper. No, no. Um, but uh, so yeah, you know, she was interested in, in the religion, and, and I, like I said, I, we weren't dating. We were just friends. And uh, she was a friendly enough girl, and I thought, yeah, why not? You know, and I love, I love God. I'd love to see what this is about. So uh, we went there, and um, Brother uh, Doyle preached um, on Romans chapter eight, which is a pretty good starting sermon to, for the first primitive Baptist sermon to hear. <laughs> and uh, yeah. he he really went into the spirit and went into the 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 the. Uh, the flesh being uh the enemy of the spirit and how the spirit is stronger than the flesh and of course he got in there to if god is for us who could be against and uh he really just tore it tore it apart just really did a good job in romans 8 and i was you know the, the the 45 minutes or more that he preached were were absolutely you know enthralling for me i loved everything he was saying so when service got over, uh, we stood up to handshake, and I had never done, you know, in the Catholic Church, we have the sign of peace. You turn around and shake somebody's hand, but here's people getting around and hugging you. And of course, I'm a hugger anyway, so uh, I'm walking around hugging all these people I'd never met before. <laughs> and uh, everything was going great, and we get out to the car, and Jennifer looked at me. She goes, uh, well, what would you think? And I said, that was great. I really, I really enjoyed that. You know, I, I, I like what you had to say, and I love the people. They're very friendly. And she goes, well, I mean, what do you think about what he said? And I said, well, I believe it. She goes, you believe that? <laughs> I said, yeah, Jesus Christ died for my sins. That's that's right. And she goes, well, she goes, don't you believe you have to do something else? I said, no, I've never, never thought I need to do anything else to be saved. I'm already saved by his blood, but I never, you know, I never, and, and that was a true statement. I never in my entire life thought that anything I did for the Catholic Church was saving me eternally. You know, I, n- I never felt that. I never felt like any of the service that I did was for my own salvation. I always just thought that I was doing it because I loved God. You know, did did so, <laughs> in in the yeah. church that you grew up? Did you? Because you're kind of talking about works based salvation that you're yeah, doing something yeah. to be saved. Yeah. Did you hear yeah. that taught or? Well, that's when I really started thinking about it. You didn't you didn't hear it taught because the Catholic Church, like I said, it was always. You know, you never really heard anything other than Jesus, and you heard that he was your salvation. That was the, the doctrines that I was brought up on. Um, I never heard that I had to do anything to be saved. I just, you know, you taught to do, you were taught to, to work, you were taught to serve, but you were never taught that there was an end outcome for it, um, you know, for eternal salvation. So when I heard Romans 8 and heard that, you know, Jesus paid it all, it made perfect sense to me because that's what I'd always believed. Um, so, uh, when I got home, th- uh, that afternoon, I called my dad and I asked him, uh, I said, you know, in my books and I'd left all my books there at home. Cause I didn't know when I was, you know, if I was ever going to move back to New York, what was going on. I just left them there at the house I grew up in. And I called dad and I said, Hey, uh, Hey, uh, can you send me my catechism? Um, I, I want to research some things. I want to see, I want to do a little deep dive into my faith and find out what's going on. <laughs> Cause I, you know, I just wanted to see what I believed because I'd grown, gone through Catholic schools. I graduated from a Catholic university. Um, and, uh, I just thought, you know, surely I've always believed this and surely the catechism is going to teach me the same thing. Um, and so he sent it down to me. And uh, I dug into the Catholic Catechism, which uh, the Catechism, Catholic Catechism is a, 
uh, it's a almost like a strong concordance of what the Catholic Church believes. It's just uh, it's just a breakdown of the different faith, uh, different things that we're supposed to believe as Catholics. That we kind of like questions and answers. Yeah, yeah. Through, correct. Yeah. yeah, and so I started reading through, and I read, you know, that there's a lot of things there I didn't agree with. Um, and I started questioning them. Um, and it was at that point that, uh, you know, Jennifer had said to me, well, if you want to go back, uh, next week, um, I'm going to go, we're going to Bethel primitive Baptist church in Nashville. She didn't have a set home. Uh, she would just bounce between the different churches depending on the Sunday. Um, and so we went and heard elder Lonnie Mazingo, uh, junior at, uh, he was the pastor at, uh, at Bethel, uh, at that point in time before brother Ronald came along. Um, and so, uh, you know, I went and heard him, enjoyed it. And, uh, it was probably about two weeks after that, that we came home. Uh, she, she and I started dating, um, about a week after that. And a couple weeks after that, we, uh, she brought me home to meet her parents and, uh, I met brother Fuller. Um, and once I met Lois Fuller, it was, it was all off, you know, (laughs) and he was the pastor of the church that you now pastor. Is that right? Correct. Yeah. Brother Fuller was a pastor at Union and uh, it was as if I had met literally my father. I mean, from the minute I met him, um, I just absolutely adored the man and and uh, wanted to hear more. After I heard him preach once, I just told Jennifer, I don't want to hear anybody else preach. I want to hear this guy <laughs> preach. Um, he makes sense to me. Um, and then that was the that was the beginning of uh, of just my real even in Nashville. We, we lived in Nashville for another year. Um, and I would, uh, you know, contact brother Fuller with questions. Um, and whenever we came to visit Jennifer's family, uh, before we got engaged and after we got engaged, I would just, uh, I would just, you know, bleed him dry like a sponge. I just get whatever I could from him. Do you remember any of the, the things when you go through the catechism, kind of the, mm-hmm. the questions that you thought, well, I really don't believe that or what? The biggest one for me, um, had to do, uh, in the gospel of Matthew. Um, and this is the one that I go to Brother Fuller with. Um, in the Gospel of Matthew, in chapter 16, um, uh, and it tells us, uh, uh, verse 16, it says, Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but our Father, which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Um, that verse in the Catholic Catechism uh, clearly teaches that Peter is the rock and that Peter was the first pope. And they reference back to that multiple times. And I could not wrap my mind around Peter being a rock. I couldn't wrap my mind around building a church on Peter. It didn't make sense. And uh, so, again, I'd go to Brother Fuller, and the one thing he always did, um, when any question I went to him, um, I'd say, Brother Fuller, I've got a question about this. Here's what here's what I've always thought. And and he would say, OK, well, that's good. I'm glad you have that thought. Prove it to me. He never once said you're wrong. He never once said, you know, that's silly. He always just said, prove it to me. Find some place in the scripture where you can prove to me that Peter is the rock. Prove to me where Peter is the rock. And I'd say, I can't. It's not in there. And he said, exactly. Christ is the rock. You're correct to believe that. The teaching you've been brought up with is incorrect. So, again, that, that, one, that one 
piece for me, again, so many little issues, issues like that were brother Fuller able to correct me lovingly and show me things that I just, you know, had been taught incorrectly. That's really, that's, that's, that's very interesting. Was there anything that, so you would kind of go study for yourself. Yeah. I mean, you would have to come back to him to prove like, you know, what he's saying, prove, yeah. prove, Correct. prove this or prove that. So he was, he wasn't arguing with you and he wasn't no, forcing never. his beliefs upon you. Never. But never. You, that's, that's really cool. Was never there anything once. that you remember him teaching you explicitly or from the pulpit or something that you thought that a light bulb went off? Well, a light bulb went off for me in a lot of ways, but, this, but the, the, my favorite thing, and one of the reasons I rarely preach out of the book of Revelation, is he told me, he said, when, when I was coming up under him as a minister after I had started preaching, he said, you know, once you can fully understand the other books of the Bible, <laughs> then you can dig in deeper into Revelation, because that's the one that you have to understand everything else before you can begin to even understand what Revelation is telling you. <laughs> So did he take, did he teach much on Revelation? No, no, but he had so many wild thoughts on it. We'd be driving to. We, that's usually what we discussed when we'd be driving to different preachers' meetings and different 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 associations. You know, I traveled a, a lot with Brother Fuller over the years. Um, I got to be his uh, chauffeur, and a lot of our conversation was on the Book of Revelation, um, just because he had so many. Uh, and and again, so many out there thoughts that I. I still can't not fully. I, I wish he'd written down. I told him that I wish he'd write them all down because it was just. And I can't say that he was wrong, but I can't say that I could follow half of what he was saying. So <laughs> wouldn't have that been? An, that would have been an awesome podcast, wouldn't it? Brother Fuller's <laughs> thoughts on on Revelation. Amen to that. Yeah, it would be it would be a six hour podcast, and then and then maybe <laughs> maybe you'd be able to figure something out. Did you ever feel a call to preach? while you were in the Catholic church? I did. I did. And that's a, that's an, a very, I guess when I was about 12 or 13, I just, after I started playing, playing the organ and I was going to church three times a week and I was developing this relationship with father Lou um, and uh, you know, with the rest of the church members, because you know, it, it was weird. We had a choir that I was, conducting or leading as I was playing the organ. So there's all these elderly members, people in their thirties and forties and fifties and little me, you know, helping them, you know, figure out where we were going in the song service. Um, and at about 13, I guess I just, I really felt a call uh, to be a priest. I just felt like, you know, maybe that's what God has put on my plate. And, uh, at 15 or 16, I felt comfortable enough, uh, during confession um, another Catholic thing is we, we confess our sins to the preacher, to the pastor. Um, and it, 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 I was so comfortable with my pastor. Uh, usually in the Catholic Church, you have a screen in between you and the minister so that they can't see you and they don't know it's anonymous. Um, but they do allow you to do it face to face. And I used to do all of my confessions face to face with Father Lou because I had a relationship with him where I, he knew my voice anyway, so he may as well see me while we're talking. And so about 15 years old, I went into him and uh, was confessing my sins, uh, which is always a, an unpleasant experience. Um, and, um, and, you know, I mentioned to him, I said, you know, Father Lou, I feel like I'm being called 
to the ministry. I feel like I'm being called to be a priest. And he said to me, he said, well, um, he goes, you've got to do four years of college. So why don't you uh, go ahead and, uh, and, you know, I went to Lemoyne College in, there in Syracuse. He goes, it's a good Catholic school. Um, it'd be a good place for you to get your undergrad. Um, why don't you go ahead and go to college? And if you still feel that way when you graduate college, uh, let me know. And so I said, okay, that's, that's, that's all right. I mean, but I mean, I really feel it. <laughs> so you just go to college and major in anything or? I did. I did. I majored in history and minored in education and anthropology. But Father Lou knew from me confessing my sins that my, my biggest, my biggest problem was uh, that I, that I liked girls. You know, I was, I was a, a bit girl crazy and had girlfriends and, and that type of situation. So he said, you know, if you become a priest, you're not going to be able to do that. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, and you still yeah, wanted I, to do it. Yeah, I still, I said, I'm willing to give it up. And he said, okay, well come see me. So after college, um, I went back to him and, uh, and I'd have, pretty bad breakup uh with uh, a girl i've been dating for two years uh in college um right after right after graduation we broke up and so i you know went into father lou's uh uh confessional and sat down with him and i said you know father lou uh I'm, i think I, I think i'm ready to join the join the priesthood I'm, I'm ready and he said well didn't you and kathy just have a breakup and i said well yeah yeah we, we sure did and he said well you're not running from something are you I said, no, no, I'm, I'm ready to join. And he said, he goes, no, no, I, I just got a feeling that you're running from something and uh, you don't want to join under the wrong circumstances. And so he said, uh, why don't you come back to me in a few months? And if you still feel that way, we'll, we'll start the paperwork and get you started. And so uh, I said, okay, well, uh, I'll, I'll see you in a few months. Well, I started work at Regal Cinemas the next week and got promoted up through and uh, in a few months time, I was the last thing on my mind was becoming a priest. I was moving up the corporate ladder. Um, so I was just, you know, moving and grooving. But the best part is, is after Josephine was born, um, I was baptized into the Catholic, I was baptized into the primitive Baptist church on October 7th, 2001. Um, and, uh, Josie was born, uh, December 11th, 2001. And so, uh, my father and mother wanted Jennifer and I to talk to Father Lou about baptizing Josie into the Catholic faith. So Josie was about four months old, um, and uh, so that was about April of uh, of March, April of uh, 2002. And we went to New York, and I sat down in the same room where I sat down with Father Lou so many times before. And I said to him, I said, uh, you know, I really can't see baptizing Josie into a faith that I don't even practice anymore. <laughs> I, go, I go, I'm only meeting with you because I care about you and because my parents want me to. And he said, well, I understand. And we talked about the primitive Baptist faith. And uh, I explained to him the different things that we believed and the different things that. Uh, and he said, well, that's really beautiful. He goes, that's really a beautiful you know, thought. And I said, yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? I said, it's just such a, a wonderful a belief that, that Jesus paid it all and that, and that uh, you know, it's all taken care of and that, that you know, it, it, there's nothing we need to do. And I, I, it just gives me such comfort to know that, that, that Christ is, is, the, is the one uh, true salvation. He said, yeah, it's just absolutely beautiful. And so then uh, uh, we decided not to baptize Josie, of course, after talking to him, um, which greatly upset my parents. But again, uh, 
<laughs> you always have to put your Lord before your parents, as we all figure out at some point in our lives. That's right. And uh, But anyway, uh, Jennifer left, and I was there with Father Lou, and uh, I, I talked to him, and I said, you know, honestly, I go, uh, the more I study, the more I just want to preach it, the more I want to proclaim it. And I said, I got a question for you. And this is before I'd even mention it to Brother Fuller um, or anybody in the, in the Primitive Baptist Church. Because I, I had literally been baptized, you know, seven Two months, months ago, ago, right? Yeah, yeah, just, I mean, it was that October, and here we are in March or April of the next year. Oh, okay. And uh, so, uh, <clears throat> anyway, uh, I said to Father Lou, I said, I just feel like, uh, you know, I feel like I'm, I'm supposed to preach it. And, uh, and I said, you know, and it makes me wonder why you didn't take me um, all these years ago when I came to you twice. And, uh, and he said to me, he goes, well, I knew, um, that, that you look at, he goes, look at your wife. He goes, look at your daughter. And he goes, I knew that this, that was not the path for you. I knew that that was not what you needed. And he goes, but it looks as if God's already given you someplace else to go. Um, you know, and it reminded me that, you know, the more I studied in it of, of, of Samuel, you know, going to Eli and saying, went to him twice, there in in First Samuel chapter three, and and went to him twice, looking to looking to hear why he was calling him, and turns out it wasn't Eli calling him all along. <laughs> That's so true. So yeah, but that was, and then it was it was uh, that that next October, one year after I had uh, actually that next September, eleven months after I had joined, that uh, I went to Brother Fuller in September of 2002. And I told him, I said, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I said, but I just, I've got to tell people about this. I've got, I've got to preach. I've got to tell somebody about it. And I go, I don't know where to go. I don't know who to talk to. And uh, of course, he just a big old smile on his face. And he goes, I'll tell you where you're going. And then that next Sunday, they uh, they put me in the stand to open for him. So, And the rest is history, right? Yeah, yeah. Then it was, then it was January of uh, of 2003. They gave me my own Sunday to preach, and that was my first attempt to preach. It was the third weekend of uh, 2000, third Sunday of 2003, January that I first attempted to preach, and then I was ordained the fifth weekend of uh, January 2005. Awesome. Um, yeah. What well, it sounds like going back to. Uh, you, I think you said Father Lou. Like it seems like they had, and I know you said, like with your parents and the baptism, that was never, that was, I'm sure that wasn't a pleasant experience. But it sounds like he had a great attitude about the whole yeah. thing. Um, Always did. What what advice would you give to people? Because you know, there's a lot of as now as I'm pastoring a church, and you just you see a lot of families that you know, you've got one of this faith and another of another faith. And when I say that, they're both Christian faiths, but with very different views on things. Mm-hmm. And this isn't about you becoming a primitive Baptist, but you've been through it. What would yeah. you, what kind of advice would you give a husband and a wife or um, maybe someone that's left? Um, you know, it's hard to leave the faith of your parents for something else. Um, sure. But what, what kind of advice would you give them in that process? Well, Anyone I've ever talked to that has desired to learn more, the, the best advice uh, for anyone is to read, is to study your scriptures, to show yourself approved. It is to be honest with yourself and with your spouse. It is to be willing uh, to to admit that you're wrong. Um, so many times we have such a even 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 
now I have a problem when I'm discussing religion with somebody else. I'm, I'm you know, I've got the uh, James Isaacs talked or preached several times. Uh, I've heard on the concrete principles of what we believe that, that, that we cannot, you know, you know, we may, we may disagree that Judas, uh, where Judas's eternal resting place is, um, but you know, we may disagree whether Adam had a belly button, but uh, you know, you, you can't disagree on total depravity. You can't disagree on on uh, an unconditional election, unlimited atonement, on irresistible grace, on the preservation of the saints. Um, you know, all these the main things, things, right? Yeah, but all these concrete things that I refuse to disagree on. If I go into a conversation with somebody who believes differently with me, and my attitude is I refuse to disagree on this then I am not listening to what they're trying to tell me. And I'm not following the policy that Brother Fuller gave me because Brother Fuller, Fuller wasn't looking to disagree with me on anything. He was asking me to prove to him that what I believed was correct. Um, and I, I, you got to have an open mind when you're, when you're in these things. You have to be I – am, I am at this very moment open to talk to anybody who is wanting to convince me that unconditional election is not true. And if they can prove it to me by thus saith the word of God, and and the spirit of God can be in the movement, and the spirit of God can be in our conversation, I have to have an open mind and be willing to be swayed. Um, because honestly, if I'm not willing to be swayed to their direction, how can I expect them to become swayed to what I believe? Um, so again, you have to have an open mind in these conversations with your spouses, with your children. You know, now that I've got two grown children um, instead of two little ones like you've got, um, you know, that their thoughts and ideas uh, are different than what mine are in some situations. Um, but you have to be willing to in open. Uh, you can't change who God is. No one can. But in any discussion, you have to be open to, to, to learn, I guess is what I'm saying, and not be closed-minded. Now, that being said, are the foundational truths foundational truths because they can't be broken yes of course <laughs> i mean you're not gonna you're not gonna convince me with the bible that that, that uh, total depravity is false because you have 17 different places in one swoop that you can go to right. uh, same thing with unconditional election same thing these things aren't disprovable so um but you need to be willing to admit and willing to look and willing to be open to the fact that someone may have something of benefit to say so you started out, I think, quoting Pilate when he said, what is truth? Yeah, yeah. And so yeah. if it is truth, it'll stand That's up it. to the scrutiny of, of, of whatever someone else may bring to you. Um, yeah. I like I like Brother Fuller's approach. Prove it to me. Um, yeah. I recently started studying a, a, a book by a man that I know I'm not going to agree with everything that he says, uh -huh. but it, it it I think it's going to help me, and it's uh, – it's a big book, so a guy like me, it'll take years to finish. But um, I think it'll really help me understand, number one, that I'll probably agree with him on a lot of things. And then number two, sure. understand where other people are coming from on things, because mm -hmm. that, that that certainly helps. So, yeah, you know, I asked, uh, I think, Dan, and um, if you haven't heard that one, it was the second podcast we did. Yeah. You know, for people listening, I know you've listened to it. Dan Sammons, he mm -hmm. pastors a church in Arkansas. and. Um, he left a lot behind, and, and I know you did too, um, but he left a lot behind to, to join uh, the, the, the church, the Primitive Baptist Church, and, and leave his, his, his old church behind and, and those friends and family. And so it's very hard, and I asked him the question, was it worth it? And uh, 
And he said, absolutely. But it came with a lot of, a lot of heartaches as well. So today, could you honestly say, yeah, it's, it's been, it's been, it's been worth it. Oh, it's, it's been the greatest, the greatest gift that God could ever give to me was to take that 13 year old that was knowing that Jesus paid it all and put him someplace where he could hear it, not only put him someplace where he could hear it, but then put him someplace with somebody who could help him to not only hear it, but help him to better understand it, to be able to expound upon it. And then put him in the position where I'm able to tell, you know, every person, you know, in, in my job and in my life and at my, at my, at my church about Christ and what he's done. All these things that I never, you know, it's so much more than I ever could have dreamed it could have been. Um, you know, my entire life, you know, as the Apostle Paul said, to live is Christ, to die is gain. And, and every day, every day you live, you get a better chance of serving him and serving others. And by serving others, you're serving him. So, yeah, no, it's absolutely, you know, and I, and there was a time there when my parents were mad. Um, but you as a parent know that there's only so much your children can do that you're not going to stay mad at them. I mean, you love them. Um, right. <laughs> you know, I used to tease, I used to tease my dad. You know, my dad, we didn't we didn't discuss religion um, often. Um, we got to the point to where, um, you know, uh, I'd, I'd I'd talk to him a little about it, and uh, one one <laughs> one fateful uh, conversation, he told a joke about uh, a Baptist minister uh, getting into heaven, um, which uh, uh, I'll tell it. It's not funny, but I'll tell it anyway <laughs> since I privileged. Um, he's, and, and I'll do it in my father's voice. Uh, anyone, anyone listening to this podcast, any of the, any of the trillions of people listening right now, if you knew my father, this is exactly how it sounds. So he, he said, he said, Edmund, I have to tell you a joke that I heard about the Baptist minister who went to heaven. So the Baptist minister died and he got to heaven. And as he entered the gates of glory, he looked up and there was his, his savior, Jesus Christ. And he walked up to Jesus Christ and he fell at his feet. And Jesus said, rise up, good and faithful servant. And the minister rose up and he turned to his to his side. And Jesus said, this is my father, the creator king. And 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 the, and the Baptist minister was astounded and bowed before God. And then he turned to his other side and he said, and this is my mother. I don't think you know her. Yeah, that was his joke. Was that uh, the Baptist Church does not know <laughs> does not know Mary? Was the joke that he made? So there may be a reason that people say that to Catholics. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there is a reason. But again, um, and I just looked at Dad and I said, Dad, that's probably the worst joke I've ever heard. <laughs> Did he but, laugh? But, but yeah, you know, I laughed and he laughed and. Uh, but uh, as he got sick at the end, you know, he passed away um, last January, right. uh, January of, of 2021. And I was flying up every month uh, to Syracuse to visit with him. And uh, I gave him uh, there's a book that Elder Jeff Winfrey wrote about dying um, that uh, that I gave to him and read with him. Um, and, um, you know, I told him, I said, you know, when I see you again, Dad, you know, we're not going to be worried about 
primitive Baptist or Catholic. You know, we're not going to be worried about, you know, what we did or didn't do. I go, I'm just going to be able to, to see you and I'm going to know where I was wrong and you're going to know where you were wrong and it's not going to matter. Um, and I said, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to love you and you're going to love me and we're both going to be in the presence of our savior and it's going to be wonderful. So, um, you know, we got to a point to where we were able to, to, to understand and to, you know, and the, I never thought I'd, I never thought it would happen, but, uh, you know, at his funeral, he wanted me to, to read, um, you know, and if you'd have told me when this whole journey began that my dad would want me to, to read scripture at his funeral, um, <laughs> I'd have told you you were crazy. So, That's um, awesome. yeah. you know, one of the, and I, I love what you said about listening to others and mm-hmm. I, I probably mentioned this before on, on talking to someone, but you can, if you, if you begin to argue really about anything, but especially about religion in a yeah. relationship, yeah. whether it be yeah. with the parents or spouse or children or whatever it is, you just drive wedges. Right. Yep. And one of the things that I'm sitting here thinking about as a primitive Baptist and happy to be one and, and you know, we believe when it comes to eternal salvation that God alone is the mm-hmm. author of salvation. This uh, he, He's the justifier. He's the redeemer. He's he's coming back to, to, to glorify us. I mean, it's, it's, it's all a work of him and that mm-hmm. we have no part in the salvation, the eternal salvation of anyone. And mm-hmm. I think when you can understand that, Although we want to make disciples, that's why we're doing podcasts. That's why we preach. That's why we. Amen. I mean, yeah. That's why we study the Bible. People, we want to make disciples. But when you can understand that God saved His people, and that that work is fully on Him, I think it allows you to to not make people projects, but just see Him as people. Amen. Yeah, and, that's um, the key. Not make them projects. That's a good line. Yeah, it's just there. There's somebody you can love. You can truly love them without any kind of ulterior motive. You know. Um, and so, yeah, you're not saving their soul. You're saving them from the, the, the lack of knowledge. You're exactly. educating. You're, you're a teacher as opposed to, uh, as opposed to, uh, uh, somebody trying to convert. Exactly. Exactly. But, um, anyways, Ed, I've, I've enjoyed it. Anything else you want to say, uh, while we have you? Well, um, y'all are more than welcome to come and visit us anytime at uh, union primitive Baptist church. Uh, we have we have tens of tens of people that watch us on Facebook Live every Sunday. Um, Maybe so, it's the uh, same y'all... ten people that listen to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but we do have several that uh, that uh, that enjoy the Facebook Live. So every Sunday, uh, you can you can pull up uh, there at Facebook, follow Union Primitive Baptist Church, Mackenzie, Tennessee, and uh, we put it on every Sunday. And uh, uh, one interesting thing is that you'll notice if you go back over the last several years that we've been doing it, uh, ever since uh, people had to stay home in March of 2020, we've had we've had it pretty much every Sunday since then. <clears throat> but um, uh, one thing you'll notice is that I look different about every week. Uh, several people I've preached at over the years in different churches, and they'll be like, "Have I met you?" And I'll be like, <laughs> "Yeah, we've met." And then, you know, sometimes I'll have really long hair. Sometimes I'll have no hair. Sometimes I'll have a beard. Sometimes I'll have a mustache. Uh, you know, if you watch the videos on, on Facebook Live over the last two years, you won't even think it's the same person preaching some Sundays. So um, you can follow along. It's like a choose your own adventure. You know, <laughs> seeing, it, 
it, it says Brother Ed Long, but it, it really may not be the same Brother Ed Long you saw the, the Sunday before. I love it, brother. I love it when you fill in. Uh, you know, I, I've only pastored Vestavia Church for a year now, so I, you know, I went through my time of filling in at other churches that maybe without a pastor for pastors yeah. that were gone and. Um, I always love that one when you would fill in, you come back and fill in maybe a year later and no <laughs> one remembers you. <laughs> no. You yeah. remember them, yeah. but they don't remember you. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, really John, made an impression. Yeah. John said uh, <laughs> that he must uh, decrease and Christ must increase. Right. So <laughs> I just look at it that way. Amen. That's a good way of looking at it. But yeah, no, come see us anytime at Union, either online or in person uh, there at the church. And, uh, you know, our annual meeting is the fourth weekend in September. Um, we were having Elder Ricky Myers coming to be with us uh, this this fourth weekend in uh, September. So um, we, we'd love to have anybody and everybody come and visit. Just check us out. Very good. I'll try to link to, you know, we can put in the show notes, uh, link to the Facebook yeah. page and all that. So yeah. we'll be sure to do that. Brother Ed, maybe we'll have you back on to talk uh, talk more about uh, Catholicism one day. You can give us a crash course. Um, <laughs> So if that's something can, people are interested in if, if 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 your tens of tens of listeners want want to have it yeah let us know <laughs> <laughs> thank you brother all right love you very much loved it loved it loved to carry in the family all right do you listen to grace alone radio network Grace Alone Radio streams the message of God's sovereign grace around the clock and around the world. Each day on Grace Alone Radio, you will hear Bible teaching from primitive Baptist ministers, encouraging a cappella hymns, and edifying passages from the King James Bible. Discover how you might access our programming at gracealoneradio.net. You'll be glad you did.